we're going to read to verse 6 through 8 again. I want to remind you that the Lord has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has gifted every one of you. He has called every one of you. The Bible tells us that we are unique, peculiar. What that means, peculiar, is that you belong exclusively to someone, and that is the Father God. Our Savior, Lord Jesus, has gone to the cross and has ascended to the throne room of God and has given us gifts, people, those that lead in the church, those that lead in the community. We have mayors, we have people that are involved in our cities, we have business people. You are a leader in your community with your business. You are a blessing to those around you because of your business. Those that are teachers, those that are uh, skilled in, in being a housewife, which is one of the uh, toughest jobs around of taking care of children and, and loving and creating a home that is conducive to the word of God. And so what we've found is that there are two keys to becoming an excited, extravagant giver. In 2 Corinthians, it states this, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace. Everyone say all grace. All grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So we have described to you the understanding of what it means to be a giver. We have found out in Scripture that God uses finances to teach us the spiritual principle of giving. But it's about every aspect of your life. It's not just your money. It is your money, but it is also in every area of your life. And, and, and so the, the thing that we must recognize here is that God said, this is how this works in my kingdom. If you want the things that you are praying for, for your family, for your kids, for your grandkids, you're praying all these different things. If you want this to take place, then you must learn how to be an excited, extravagant giver. I want to remind you of the first key that we learned is understanding the living nature of money, which describes the nature of everything when we give to God's kingdom. Money is a seed. Anytime you give, it's a principle of a seed. And when you give a seed... What happens is that seed was made by God, spiritual seed made by God to produce after itself. And so when you are giving seed, then it will produce a harvest. And how many of you know that harvest doesn't happen overnight? You need to water it. You need to continue to protect it. You need to work with that. How do you protect it? Attitude. That's why it says that God loves a cheerful giver. And it talks about an attitude. Sometimes when you go to work and that ding-dong boss of yours, 
Anybody have a ding-dong boss? Okay. None of the staff here, raise your hand, please. <laughs> but you have a boss that is really ridiculing you and, and using you and not properly leading. But what you have to do is understand that if you're going to get the harvest back of peace, promotion, and all the above, you need to be a cheerful giver. You need to learn not to be offended every time someone looks at you the wrong way. Now, you understand, we're smart enough here that we understand the, the difference between abuse and just someone who's not leading well. And so when these things happen, we have to be a giver. You go the extra mile. There's something you don't understand. You go in early and you learn and you ask questions and you get it done. You work harder to get it done if, if you're being told you're not doing it right. See, the reality of the world, the world wants that anti. The world wants to say everything you, needs to be given to you. Everything you, you know, you don't have to earn it. You just, you just be in the right place at the right time and it's given to you. And that's not how the kingdom of God works. So we need to understand that, that this seed lives. It, it, your, your giving in the kingdom of God, we found, will meet you in the future. God's plan is if he gives you seed, your salary, whatever it is, and you give out of that seed, remember, some of it you got to eat, okay? And, and remember the, the poem that we had, we won't say it again, but the reality is, is that some, sometimes you have to give, sometimes you have a savings account, we need to save, we need to learn how to work with our money and be good stewards, but also we have to give away, we have to give away and the way that it returns back to you and meets you in the future is that always it's the greater purpose than yourself. It is kingdom reality, Holy Spirit-led giving. That giving, that seed, will always produce for your future. You will always have enough. You will always have an abundance because the Bible we read last time together actually says that when you give to the kingdom, that God will make sure that he gives back. He gives seed to the sower. You got to be a sower before you become a sower. Does that make sense? You got to be a sower before you're called a sower. You can't be a sower when you don't sow, when you don't give. And so that's what the Bible is saying here. And I'll tell you what, the enemy hates this. That's why every book you read that's why every, everything you see on TV, you will see the anti of the principle of being an excited, extravagant giver. And you have to learn either to know they're not telling you the truth or shut it off. We're not, Christianity is not against movies, not against watching the news, not against reading the paper, not against anything. But when things are constantly being told to you that's not true, after a while, you begin to believe it. And you begin to live that lifestyle, and then you wonder why things are not going on the way you, you've desired, and say, God, what's wrong? And there's nothing, let me just tell you a secret. There's nothing wrong with God. 
God has never sinned. God has never lied. What he said, he does. The responsibility is, we've, we're learning, is that we need to be that excited, extravagant giver. So it's when you find giving of all you are to a greater purpose than yourself, then that's when you begin to walk in this lifestyle. Well, let's go to the second key. We mentioned it to you in the conclusion last time together. The second key is understanding the loving nature of God. Understanding the loving nature of God. Look at verse 8, 2 Corinthians 9. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Let's look at the loving, the nature, the character of God. Here in verse 8, the word able is dunate, dunate. Let's read the whole verse. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be able be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. See, what, what the word talks about is God gives you all this so that you can give in all areas. You will be the giver, the giver of a good attitude, the giver of someone who has soft words. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger, Scripture tells us. And so the word power in there, but you shall receive power, is the Greek word dunamis. So the word able is from the same root word of the word power. All right, dunate, dunamis. And so let's look at the word able. God is, talking about his character, God is powerfully capable to make all grace abound towards you. I'm pausing there a second because I want you to, to recognize it says God is able. He is absolutely capable of taking care of anything in your life. But how do you get that from heaven to earth is you become an excited, extravagant giver. You say, well, what about the war on terror? What about the economy? What about my job? What about my kids? What about that hurricane, the flood? What about the fires that are going on? Isn't God in control? My wife was talking about that a little bit. Let me just say this to you. There is no force on earth that can keep God from blessing you when you give into the kingdom of God. No matter what is going on in this, this world, we need to understand giving is the principle of life in every area of your life that produces the, the openness and the open door of God's capable ability of having all grace come upon you of touching every area of your life, of healing your body, of restoring your home, all of these things. The opposite of giving is being selfish. So when God's plan is greater than your plan to you, let me use this word now. Let me take you just a little bit further on this then when God's plan is bigger to you, greater to you, you have learned to be this extravagant giver, it is trans-circumstantial. 
your life becomes trans-circumstantial. In other words, what am I trying to say to you? I'm not just trying to use a big word, but I'm trying to tell you the, how the transferring of God's kingdom, how it manifests in you in this world. God's ability, his power, is above any circumstance you face. No matter what you face, church, when you understand kingdom reality, giver, what you will begin to see that no matter what circumstance you have, whether that car breaks down, whether that washer and dryer breaks down, whatever goes on, whether you get a flat tire, all the different things, I want you to understand God is trans-circumstantial. His power, his ability to allow his grace to overcome. Even though you have family members that are just, just mean, you have family members that maybe just be crazy, I want you to understand that in your life, no matter what circumstance you are facing, that God's power, his ability, is above any circumstance, anything that you ever face. It is above the economy. It is above the geopolitical realm. It is above everything. It is above anything you'll ever face. When you give of anything to the kingdom of God, he is powerfully capable to make anything happen to get the blessing back to you. I know I've used some Greek words and I've used a longer word than I normally use because your pastor's simple. God does not depend on the U.S. economy. God does not depend on the world economy. God doesn't depend on someone else to respond to you, your giving properly either. How many of you have tried to learn and have become givers and you were led of the Holy Spirit and you gave and the people that you gave to responded to you wrongly? And they, they didn't appreciate it. They, they literally uh, stole from you. They, all the different things. And you just wanted to just say, you know what? That's the last time that I ever... You don't depend on how people react to you. You do it because you have a greater purpose than yourself. God has told you something, and watch this, it will meet you in the future, and sometimes you won't even know what that future is. Sometimes you won't even know what it, you know, some of us through the years, you've given large amounts of money, you've given large amounts of time, you've given your gifts away, you've, you've, you've done all this, and sometimes people just slap you in the face. But see, we're not dependent upon what other people, how other people react. God is able to do it himself. You know what our prayer should be? There's a lot of questions in this world. You, you watch the news, you, you, anything, you go to school, whatever. There's a lot of questions. Well, why does, you know what our prayer should be? God, let me be the answer. Use me to be the answer. Well, but I don't have much. Use me to be the answer. You know, sometimes just a handshake works. Sometimes just looking in someone's eye works. Not because, oh, okay, I got to do the religious thing and God bless you, God bless you. No, it's that you really care 
and you look into people's eyes and you say, you know what? I don't know what's going on, but I just want you to know that I care. And you know what? I don't have much, but let me tell you, the much that I have is God. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he can do this thing, that you encourage someone. Encourage. Remember the scripture last week? Encourage one another with these words. The apostle Paul says, don't fear circumstances. Because that's what the devil does. Let me give you a picture. There is something in your heart that says, give to that thing. But our head says, but what about what I just read in that blog? What about what I just read in the newspaper? You know what? I heard from my neighbor. They said something about that, but your heart's saying to do something. What happens is we now are in conflict. Paul says God is powerfully capable to make all grace abound toward you. What does Paul mean when he says all grace? I'm going to show you this. We're in conflict. Our mind says no because they're an idiot. And our heart says give because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. How many of you need healing? The answer is there is a grace of health. Doesn't matter if you're a millionaire that things are going to be better because you're sick, you'll spend all your money on your doctor bills. Because we've learned in the first uh, key of giving is that, that we can't depend upon the world's economy. We have to depend on the kingdom economy. Seed. God is able to make the grace of health abound towards you. He is able to make the grace of marriage abound towards you. He is able to make the grace of a good family abound towards you. All things in your life that matter. He's able to make it manifest towards you. And the key is, is learning the two keys of being an excited, extravagant giver. Is that you realize that you are giving in a greater purpose. This is what you must do. Hear the voice of God and do those things. Even if it seems like you're being ridiculed or even at times used. I didn't say abuse, I said used. The number one reason for poverty in America is a broken family. And if you study psychology, if you study all these things, the number one reason for poverty in America is a broken family, and the reason why there's a broken family is when people get selfish. When you get people that, that maybe don't serve God and they're angry, you get people that serve God and they're angry. I want the grace for a good family. I want the grace of wisdom. I want the ability to be able to move in my life and to know that all of God's ability is functioning in me. 
Have you ever known somebody that every time they do anything, something happens? Have you ever known anybody that just like, you know, every time, you know, you go to a restaurant and the food's perfect. They go to the restaurant and there's a bug crawling on their plate. You go to Disneyland and you want to ride your favorite ride. You get on there and yeah, there's a short line. Everything's great. They go there. There's a long line. And just as they get to the front to get on the ride, it breaks down. You know, you see people, they're just like, oh, why does it always happen to me? Can I share with you just a little bit here? that maybe is they don't understand kingdom giving. Maybe they just live a life, they're always on the take, it's always about them. If they're gonna be friendly, they're gonna be friendly because they want something right then and there. Self-gratification. And they, they, they do extra things and, and they're always looking over their shoulder waiting for someone to pat them on the back. Now, I want to tell you, these are good people. They just don't understand kingdom giving. And they look at people who are succeeding, and they say, I work just as hard as they do. But the people they're looking at, they don't know, because quietly they're giving. Quietly they're doing things. They make phone calls. You know, if you want to get anything done, find the busy person. Amen? Find the busy person. Find the person that literally is almost on the edge, always doing something, and they're the most faithful people because they're learning and have learned about giving. Church, if you don't have wisdom, you can be deceived. Solomon said, I want wisdom, and God said, since you asked for wisdom, I'll give you more with it. Church, I don't want the grace of money. I want all grace, which includes money. I want the grace of God, his power, his ability to always work in everything that I do. You know, someone in our church here that I spend some time with, and, and he always talks about God's grace and giving him a parking spot. He drives into the store and he says, Lord, thank you for a parking spot. And sure enough, the guy gets one up front. You know, and I'm just talking about something as simple as that. Something as simple as that. We, we, you, know, you know the time that we, we go after God, some people, they go after God and just try to find God, is when they've gone to the very end of their own ability. And they've lived their life, and they're good people, and they've done a lot of stuff, but they're frustrated. They're mad at this person. They're mad at this person. Everybody's angry at them and, and all the different things. And finally, they come to the end of where they're at, and then they go to God and say, God, how come all this stuff happened? I want to just say to you, it's because we haven't learned at times to be an extravagant giver. We haven't learned that at times when things get so hard, when things get so rough, when you just want to throw in the towel, that God says, 
just go one more step. Be extravagant in what you're doing. Let your patience go a little bit further. Oh, but they said, and, and he said, and she said, and he did. No. God, what is my place in here? And I'm going to say this. Yeah, they might be a jerk. But you're not that jerk. You're not selfish. You're not always thinking about yourself. It's not always about you. It's not always about what's going on in your life. And every time you say, well, I want friends, and every time you're with a friend, you're complaining about all the other friends supposedly you have. And that friend says, I wonder if they're talking about me with this friend. You know, it gets to a place where, where we, we don't hear the voice of God anymore. We're just hearing our struggle. You see, God said, since you asked for wisdom, I'll give you money with it. That's what he said. Let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 8 again. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. In Malachi, watch what it says. God said in Malachi 3.12, for you will be a delightful land. You will be a delightful land. What is Malachi? Malachi is talking about giving. He said, if you understand the principle of giving, you will be a delightful land. Your home, your place of business, where you go to work, all the different things, it will be a delightful place. You see, the whole point is unbelievers will look at you and say, how in the world did you get or have what you have? You know what our answer is? Jesus, God. But let me just paint that picture a little bit more. You know what that answer is? Jesus, God, but it's you living out his character. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave that you're a giver in areas of your life. That you don't, you don't just sit around and wait for someone else to do for you. you. You get up and you become that giver. Jesus blessed me, you say. Jesus is why I didn't freak out. How many of you know people that just freak out? You know, and you spend an hour at work looking over your shoulder and maybe your bosses because you're trying to minister to them and they're freaking out. But you know how you become a blessing to people? The whole point is, is you bless the world, is you don't freak out. God is powerfully capable to make all grace abound towards you. So what am I saying to you? I am saying, watch this, here it is, God loves you. God loves you where you're at. God sees you, God is absolutely overwhelmingly overseeing you. Brothers and sisters, we need to get that. Get what? You just woke up. God loves you. God loves you. 
No matter what you've done, God loves you. You know, it's kind of like your children. Yours can be the worst children in the world, but you still love them. You know, you have a father in heaven, and his name is God. His name is God. Matthew 6, 25, look at the screen. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Some of you say, well, I don't know about that. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Why are you so worried? But you don't know what my kids are. Why are you so worried? Trust the Father. Let me give you a secret now. Not many people know this. You are loved in heaven too. You're not an orphan. You are his son or daughter. And some of you are looking at me and say, you're loved in heaven. You mean they're all looking at me? No. Holy Spirit's inside you looking at you. Never leave you nor forsake you. But in heaven, there's nothing but love and a father that is so proud of you. Because he looks at you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Just like you've never sinned. The love that the Father has for you is so huge. And you know, there are people that, that they know they, they've, they've done wrong, but they just can't get past saying, you know what, I've done wrong. I need to change. I need to do something different. That's the principle of giving. That is when you begin to give yourself away and that selfishness, matter of fact, matter of fact, I, I want you to, in life, you know what covetousness is? Let's read a scripture here. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know how you realize that you're not an orphan? That you're never alone? Is that covetousness is not a part of your life. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, covetousness, watch this, is an unhealthy need for things because of a lack of providing relationships. If only I had this job, I'd be provided for. If only I made this, if only I did... That covetousness is an unhealthy need for others to provide. You know, some, their only purposes is themselves and they don't give. Some feel they need to stack a lot of things around them to feel secure rather than being secure in God. I'm asking you, some of you have known the Lord for years. I'm asking you this. 
Why do you do what you do? Or why don't you? Why do you don't do something? I'm asking you, is there a greater purpose that you have in your heart and your mind that will cause you to be able to withstand, cause you to be able to walk in areas where before you used to just get mad and angry and shout and all kinds of things? When will we come to a place of understanding that God the provider says, I will never leave you? He is the God that does own the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the God that never changes. He is the God that loves you. He is the God that planned the plan that no matter what you've done in life, when you receive him and walk in his ways, that you will be totally blessed. Let's read this. 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. See, God's nature is love. His nature is forgiveness. But the things of the world, he says, do not love. Watch this. What is the world? The world is a way to get things you want without God. So I want you to just realize, well, what's the world? The cosmos, and we can dig deep in the Greek and all the different things. But I want you to recognize literally what he's saying here, the principle in the Greek here is what he's saying is that you're loving things to get without God, without relationship with God. The world is a system of thinking and behaving that I can get what I want without God. So the real question is, then, what is the Father? Who is the Father? Watch this. Play on words here. The Father is a way that I get what I want through God. But your want is God desires. Your want is, well, I want that, I want that, I want. My wife and I were looking at cars at the mall. She says, come on, honey, let's go in there. I said, I don't want to go in there. I can't buy that. I don't want to go in there because I know me. <laughs> I want, you know. So we go in there, and then my wife lovingly leaves to go to her appointment, and then I'm stuck with a salesperson. <laughs> no, you, you went to your appointment. So she's asking me for the for the email, my email address, can I send you uh, information on things that go on? Yeah, yeah, you can. So I gave her all of Terry's information. <laughs> <clears throat> Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So you have a choice. You can accept the love of the Father and go out and, or go out and do it without him. You can't do both. Because Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. God loves you, church. 
You are his child. <laughs> when you are in the good times or in the bad times, your Father in heaven loves you more than any parent. And the day you get this truth is the day you will change the way you look at giving. I've learned that. I told you at the beginning of this series, I told you that I despise giving because I saw the falsehood of people in the church. I saw, you know, yin, 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 just looking around and everybody, oh, looking at, look at, look at the way they dress. Oh, they think they're rich, they're poor, they're, you know, whatever. You know how that attitude gets to a lot of people. See, my relationship with him Watch this, the key is how I'm provided for. The more I know him, the more provision will manifest. And when I get to that ride in Disneyland, it will still run when I get there. <laughs> Romans eight fifteen through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with them, that we may also be glorified together. This says the Holy Spirit is proclaiming to your spirit, God is your Daddy. He is trying to lead you to that relationship that will set you free and cause you to be an excited, extravagant giver. We have a loving, a gracious, and all-powerful daddy in heaven who is capable of making all grace abound to you. Everything. You look at your children, you think, oh my gosh, look at the decisions they're making or not making. I want to tell you, all grace God cares more about what's going on in your kids than you do. All grace. It's the spirit, it's the attitude. The day you understand the living nature of giving and the loving nature of God, when an opportunity is given to you to give, you give. Without question. And then someone next to you that loves you says, what are you doing that for? I don't know. I'm told to give. But it's going to meet me in the future. And I'm not going to be grudging about it. I'm going to be cheerful about it. Right now, my mind would tell me, man, you don't even have enough money now to go to McDonald's. By the way, you know, that's getting more expensive too. Number one way we give God a chance to show us how much he loves us is through our giving. It's the number one way. People pray, God, don't you love me? Why are you? Number one way is in giving. Forgive that person. Go the extra mile for that person. You know, in Rome, when, when Israel was in captivity of Rome, there actually were laws that someone of authority could go up to any person of Israel and say, carry this for me for a mile. 
And they had to do it or they'd be arrested. But you know how many people, you know, if this line right here was that mile, how many people would go like this? There. What did Jesus say? He says, if they asked you to go a mile, you go an extra mile. If they ask you for basically a sweater, give them your coat. Go the extra mile. Go above and beyond. See, my giving to God broke an orphan spirit. Did I, have, did I have a bad childhood? No, I had a good childhood. Did I have parents that were good? Yeah, absolutely I did. Were they perfect? No. But I had really good parents. They provided, they did everything but I still had an orphan spirit. But I want to tell you, God showed me his love through my giving. When I broke from that protectionism, me, myself, and I, it's all about me, what do I get out of that? How many you been there? Yeah, what do I get out of that? Or when you give, jeez, look what they did with that. I can't believe it. I mean, I gave the first time, you know, about giving, and I'll close with this. First time about giving was huge to me. It was a car. Yeah, it was paid for. It wasn't new. But there was a young man in school that I had the ability, because I worked before I went to school. I had money in the bank, all the different things. I had my school paid for, and I had this car, and this guy, he was suffering, and just a great guy and everything, and, and I felt led of the Lord to give it, and I know why he led me to give it, because I'm going to show you this, and so I gave it to him. Two weeks later, he sold it and kept the money. My initial reaction in my heart, my mind, my mouth, my ears, my feet, everything about me was what an idiot I'm never going to do that again and then Lord I was quote in Bible college in prayer in chapel and the Lord said you did what I asked you to do doesn't matter what he did are you going to trust him in making you feel good about you giving or are you going to trust me that I'm going to meet you in the future Whew. And I'm sitting there, and so I got tears going down. And, you know, someone walked, oh, man, the Lord's really touching you, huh? I said, no, the Lord's really correcting me right now, and I'm crying. <laughs> My bottom hurts. <laughs> I just got spanked. You know? And, and the reality is, 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 that's what he did. And to this day, I have never said a word to him about it. Never said a word to him about it. It doesn't matter. But God met, met me in the future. Over and over and over and over and over again. Amen. Amen. And see, that's, that's where we need to be as a people. We need to reach our potential in giving.
every area of your life, reach your potential in your giving. Speaking of giving, I'm going to ask you one more time. We don't do this very often, but we do it for a purpose. We want to bless the people in Houston. We want to honor them in Texas and Louisiana. We have seven churches in Foursquare that have been impacted by this. But in essence, most of those churches are now housing people, feeding people. And what we're going to do is uh, Convoy of Hope is a Christian ministry that is recognized largely by our government and is always there. Remember, they were one of the first ones in Haiti because they were there with their ships. And so what we're going to do is we're going to receive uh, an offering in your bulletin. You had the building fund. But if you want to use this, you can write your name on it and just write hurricane and we'll make sure that it goes to the, the right place. Write your check out to Valley Community Church. Uh, Pastor Nolan and his team will put it all together and they will write one check uh, to this at the conclusion of the service. We will transfer the money and they will have the monies uh, by Wednesday to be able to help feed, clothe, and house people that are hurting right now. Let's give big. Father, thank you for what you've given us. Lord, I didn't know when you told me to teach on this series and gave me what you wanted me to teach that this hurricane and this flooding was going to take place. But Lord, you know all things. Thank you for our responsibility of touching the lives of thousands. As we give, Lord, we give excitedly. We give extravagantly, knowing that it not only will meet us in the future, but God, you will take what is given and you will bless. You will cause it to enlarge. You will cause it to do so much more than money could ever do by itself. And we thank you, Lord, for that. Bless everyone that gives according to what you have said, what we have taught today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give.